0: Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I want to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast. And I also want to thank you for partnering with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. There's always something new and exciting happening here at Ren, so please follow us on social media. You can find us by searching Renaissance Decatur. And you can also connect with us by visiting our website, rendecatur.org. Enjoy the podcast, and thank you so much for being a part of this community. Good morning, everyone. My, my name is Jack, and I'm the youth director. So our whole staff went on a conference this last week, and uh, everyone went, and uh, we did the super spiritual thing by casting lots. And I don't know how, but I did everything. I was in the announcements. I'm doing the messages. It's great. No, I'm totally joking. Uh, I, I very much am looking forward to being here. It's going to be really, really exciting. So we're we're picking up our Bible study in 1 Corinthians uh, seven, And what I want to do is uh, give you a little quick story, a little quick idea walking into that. And because I'm not from the Midwest, I'm going to pick on everyone here because you're from the Midwest. Uh, you guys do this thing called, I call it the ope shuffle. So have you ever noticed that when you're walking down the street and two people are at the same spot, you go oh and you kind of like go like this around each other and someone says, oh, let me just like scoot by you right there and you like go around. That's the most random thing to me ever and I am so aware that I'm not from here every time you guys do that. And then there's an, another uh, time that I know that I'm not from here and it's when my mother calls. Yeah. And here's why she calls. She'll be like, I'm looking at the weather and there's a tornado near you and it's like 45 minutes away and you guys go outside like like there's like a thunderstorm coming and you guys are like oh i guess i'll go outside and like it's like like raining and like tornadoes are coming and you're like look at that and i'm like like i'm like i got to go downstairs i got to get the dog i don't even have a dog like i got to go down like i'm doing all these things and i am so aware in those moments that i'm just like i am like a born and raised like a connecticut kind of guy and and i just know that it's not that i don't belong here but i'm i'm just not part of this Midwestern culture yet. But I, I raise that idea because uh, sometimes when I know that I'm not from here, I, I ask the question, do I belong here? Um, I think there's something in everybody that wants to know if they belong. Um, you walk into Renaissance every week and you look around at people and you ask this question, do I belong here? Um, you go to your work and you ask that question. You go to family parties and you ask that question. I uh, My in-laws are coming into town this week and I know the first time I walked in to spend time with all of them, I went, oh, do I belong here? Um, we've all had that sensation before, and, and I raise this point because Paul's addressing that kind of issue, that kind of heart thing for us in our passage today. Um, if you have a Bible, we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, chapter 7, verses 17 through 24. It's gonna be page, uh, I think, 955 in your Bibles. The words will also be on the screen, and I wanna give you a lot of context going into it because I think it's gonna be uh, really helpful for us. In uh, the very first uh, verse in chapter seven, uh, what happens is Paul puts something in quotes, and we think it's a question that he's asking, uh, well, he's answering for the Corinthian people. So they're uh, saying, you know, is it right for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman? And you're like, that's a weird question. Why are you asking that? But, but I think the idea is this. A lot of people were becoming to know, were learning the truth and love of Jesus, they were starting to follow him, they were starting to uh, dedicate their lives to Jesus, and uh, they were starting to ask the question, what do I need to give up to follow God? Um, some of them, if they had, you know, um, for them, they knew not to use the term uh, pagan, we'll probably use the word unbeliever. Um, if you have an unbelieving spouse, am I supposed to stay with them? Am I supposed to divorce them? What, what am I supposed to give up if I wanna follow God? And I think the heart of that question um, is this, how can I connect with God? How can I belong to God? Because, as we've read the first uh, you know six, seven chapters, um, they're struggling as a community. Um they're struggling to love God, to not um, you know have divisions in their church. gosh, people are suing one another. They're totally okay with whatever lifestyle people have. And I think they're going, how do we belong as a group? H- how-, how do we figure this out? what What am I supposed to do? Um, and I think that's a really valid question that I know I ask myself. Um, at the conference, I had, uh, that we all went on. I had one goal. Um, so we're we're part of a network of churches called the the Foursquare. Um, if you're really churchy, we call it a denomination. And uh, we went to um, kind of celebrate what God is doing in all of the Foursquare churches. So we go down, and I had one goal in this time that I want to love God more. Leaving that's that's all I want to do. And whenever I think in that category, the next question I have is, okay, so what do I have to give up? And I don't mean that in like, I can't be fun anymore. I don't mean that and I have to, you know, stop doing all these different things. But if I want to connect with God, if I want to belong to God, you know, what do I need to give up to love him well? That's the question they ask. So Paul starts uh, talking about uh, marriage. He kind of addresses the beginning of the question. Then he starts talking about singleness and then divorce. And have you ever met an extroverted person that when you ask them a question, the last three seconds is what they actually think? Anybody, anybody in the room with that? Because I'm, I'm that person. My wife will go, um, hey Jack, what do you wanna do for dinner? I'm like, well, and like I go through all these different things and then when I land the plane, the last three seconds, that's what I mean and I think Paul's having a moment like that where he starts talking about marriage and they start talking about singleness and then divorce and goes, wait, 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 this is getting overly complicated. This is what I mean. So read with me, we're gonna read the whole thing and then we're gonna go back through it. So this is gonna be 1 Corinthians chapter 17, chapter seven, verse 17. Uh, verse twenty uh, through verse twenty four he says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, into which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision. But keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. And then he's like, wait a second. But if, you gain your, uh, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself to that opportunity. Uh, for he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. I think this is Paul's answer to us. Um, How do I belong to God? Um, So, I want to pray for us that God would uh, use me um, so that you would hear him today, that something about my words would pierce your heart and you know that it's somehow in some way even though it's me speaking it's God speaking to you and then I would um, love God to motivate us to uh, listen well and to love him well if you would pray with me. Father thank you so much uh, for everybody here. I'm just so encouraged that uh, we all got up on a Sunday and came here to tell you how great we think you are. Um, That we would uh, get up and do things that are um, a little weird to others a little odd to others but we would be here. Um, Father would you help us to know that we belong Um, And would you um, open your word up up to all of us in your very precious name, amen. So you you belong to God. And and, uh, the very end of it, it says you were bought with a price. Now we're gonna get to that near the end of the message. What's this price? Is he buying me? Like, am I real estate? Am I for sale? Like, what does this mean? But the, the idea, though, is if you were bought by God, you belong to him in body and in soul, in life and in death, you belong to God through Jesus. If you know him, if you love him, you can't do anything to stop that from happening. You fully belong to him. And if our question is, what do I have to give up to love God? I I think Paul is not saying what you need to do. I think he's trying to say who you are. It's not about doing anything differently. And yeah, that's part of it. There are some things that we might need to Change in our, you know, habits and you know, perspectives and in our priorities. But but primarily, the first thing we have to do is know whose we are, and that's we belong to God. So I want to go back up and just work through this passage um, and try to see how does Paul understand that? How, how does Paul work that through in this passage? So if you read with me, we're going to read verse 17, and Paul writes, "Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him." into which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Now, whenever you read the Bible and there's like an all statement, that's really important, because the past few weeks when we've been talking about marriage, singleness, and divorce in chapter seven, uh, we've always said, hey, they're addressing a very cultural, a very, He's trying to address a worldview that they had that he's trying to correct. We can't take a sweeping theological statement. We can't make these giant statements broad for everybody because it's such a cultural thing. We can get some things, but not everything. When Paul says, this is my rule in all the churches, this is for me, this is for you, this is for all of us. And yeah, there's a principle that's specifically for Corinth, but Paul's saying, no, 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 this is also for everyone. And he opens it by saying, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, into which God has called him. Now there are two words that I wanna point out because I think they're really helpful, um, but they're like the churchiest words in America. Uh, so when it says that the Lord has assigned something to you and he has called you. Those are, are very churchy words. And here's what I mean by that. You can go to church for years and years and years and you have no idea what they mean. Uh, I, went, uh, I went to uh, Bible college. I have a four year degree in knowing the Bible and half the time I have no idea what they mean. It's like these words were like CrossFitters and they like competed for like the churchiest word alive or on earth and they're like, let's go for it. It'll be great. Uh, so that. We're gonna try to work through what these two words mean because I think they're gonna help us moving forward. The first word is this word assigned. Uh, The Bible was not written in English. It was written in Greek and Hebrew. The Old Testament is predominantly Hebrew and then the New Testament is predominantly uh, Greek. Um, And the word assigned has a few different kind of meanings or ideas to it. It's uh, portioned, um, so kind of like uh, you have a big pot of chili and you, you know you're pouring you know, a bowl into each thing. Hallelujah for chili. And uh, you know you're putting uh, you know a ladle of chili into each bowl. You're portioning out. You're dividing it. Uh, and then also it means that you can uh, break it apart and spread it out to people. And now that actually makes it worse for me. It's like so the Lord breaks me apart. What, like, like, I don't, like I don't know, like that's not helpful. So what we do, we don't know what a word means is we look where it's used in other places in the Bible and there's just one place that I think it's so helpful for us. Jesus is, uh, he's with his disciples and they're walking on this uh, mountainside near the Sea of Galilee and then these 5,000 men with their uh, women and children show up uh, to listen to Jesus teach and Jesus looks at his disciples uh, and uh, the Bible says that uh, he uh, sees them like a sheep without a shepherd, and he has compassion on them. And he goes, well, we gotta feed them. And his disciples are like, we don't have anything. Like, we don't, we don't have any money, we don't, have, like, we don't, Like, I think they say it would take a, a many years wage to pay for us, we don't have it. And he goes, well, what do we have? And this boy comes up and he has five uh, loaves of bread and then two fish. And it says that Jesus broke it, assigned it, portioned it, divided it, and gave it to the disciples. And then they gave it to everybody. Um, God, that assigning, I think he's talking about, is God blesses us, he gives us things for his purpose. Um, I I think what it's trying to get is Paul is saying, lead the life in which how God has gifted you. So how has God gifted you? Um, Another part in the Bible, it says um, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father, God, above So how how has God gifted you? I I can think of many things in my life, you know. Uh, First and foremost, I'm married to my beautiful, amazing wife, Nancy. I have a home that I live in. I have a car. I have a job. There's so many things I'm thankful for, but let's let's go back to my wife. I, I remember when I was... Uh, engaged to be married, I go to uh, a friend, he's one of my only friends that's married before me, and I go, hey, can you give me some advice? And he goes, totally, let's go to this Mexican place, and I'm like, if Mexican, and he takes me there for it. And this part about the story is totally uh, unimportant, but I think you would like to know this. We go to this place called Rincon in Norwalk, Connecticut, and they're uh, home of the 18-inch uh, black bean and steak wet burrito. Now, 18-inch might be hard for you to measure, but I measured it, it's the size from my elbow to my fingertips. <laughs> That's the burrito. I feel like that's just very important for you to know in this message because we didn't order one. We ordered one for each of us. So we had two plus queso, Halloween for queso, and then guacamole. So I don't know how we're going to finish this, but I sit down and we're eating these overly sized, you know, (laughs) burritos. And what happens? I say, you know, what advice do you have? And he goes, "Uh, your wife is God's perfect gift to you. If God gives perfect gifts, she is the perfect gift for you. And I'm like, how'd you learn that? That sounds so good. And he goes, well, let me tell you a story. So, this is like storyception, a story within a story. So, what happens uh, is him and his wife are arguing about something totally un- unimportant. If I remember correctly, do you know when you're watching Netflix and you're like binging a show, and one of you's like, I want to go to bed, and the other one's like, I do not want to go to bed? <laughs> I want to continue to watch this TV show. It was one of those moments. And he pulled out the tactic. And here's what I mean by the tactic. She wanted to go to bed. He wanted to stay up. So he pulled the the tactic, which is, I'm going to shame you into doing what I want you to do. So he goes, well, I just feel like you're being selfish right now. And, And you're, we always do what you want to do. You're just being selfish. And she goes, oh, really? And then he pitches in another thought. You're the most selfish person I have ever met. Okay, so you would expect him, you'd expect him naturally, his wife to stand up and start chewing him out. And she goes, oh really? Crosses the arms and says, well, I am God's perfect Gift to you, and how can you argue with that? Like you can't be like, no, you're not. Like you can't do that. So, so he stopped watching Netflix that day, and he's lost every argument since then because of that, that thing. So, uh, but but here's the thing though. God has gifted me my lovely wife Nancy. She's an absolute gift to me, and I can tell you all these reasons why she is a gift to me. But, but how has God gifted you? You might have a really amazing spouse. You might have these amazing. Kids, man, might have just gotten a new job. Um, you might just be alive. I, I know some people, um, there's somebody that, um, I know that they were very sick and they needed um, a new organ and they were not going to get it. They were absolutely not going to get it and uh, they were on their deathbed, like literally on their deathbed waiting to die and they were gifted that organ and they're alive and walking to this day. Um, their gift is I'm just alive. Um, so you don't need this huge blessing to see how you're gifted It could be as small as this. You're alive, and you belong to God. So lead that life in your gifting. And then Paul says this other word. He says, um, you know, and only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him. You know, giftings. You know, how are you going to use that? And then he says, into which God has called him. So call. This word called shows up a lot of time in uh, the Bible, and particularly a lot of times in this passage. Uh, All the times but one, it's used in the idea of your salvation. So it's when God called you to him, when you came to know the truth and love of Jesus. That's what that calling means. So he's saying, uh, and only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, into which God has called him. Um, this is my rule in all of the churches. So he's saying, at the time that you came to know Jesus, stay there for a little bit. And this is my rule in all of the churches. Um, and I think here's what he's kind of getting at. Sometimes we feel like we need to like jump ship and leave and go somewhere real quick. I think he's saying stay the course, at least right now. You don't you don't have to leave, you don't have to go somewhere. L- live the life according to how God has gifted you and according to your salvation. And then he gives two kind of illustrations or metaphors for this. Let's read uh, verse 18 uh, and we'll read uh, verse uh, to verse 20. He says, uh, was anyone at the time of his uh, call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. And now my first question is, what on earth does circumcision have to do with your belongings? And now we're all adults here, but I'm gonna speak very vaguely if you don't know what circumcision is. When you're eight days old, the Jewish people would make this mark on a man's genitalia as a sign and as a seal that you're part of God's people what on earth does that have to do with where you belong? Like, what, like how, do, how do those worlds connect? You know what I'm getting at? So he, here's the thing that we don't understand. I just think of the physical act of what that looks like for a child when they're really young or, or, or really small. But in Genesis 17, God shows up to this guy named Abraham. And Abraham's very important. We studied him probably about a year ago at this point. Um, He's kind of the beginning of our faith journey, at least in scripture. Um, There's a few people before him, but God promises him that he's gonna uh, bless the whole world through him and his family. And the sign of that blessing, the sign that you're part of that group of people is circumcision. And then as time goes on and Abraham has a kid and they have a kid and they have a kid and they have a kid. And many, many, many generations later, this is the Jewish people. And that was their sign that they were part of the group, they were part of God's people. So Paul's not making a statement on this physical mark. It's not like, hey, for those of you with scars on your knees when you're a little kid and you like bump, he's not that kind of thing, it's, it's hey, if you are ethnically Jewish, that counts for nothing. If you're you know, a Gentile, that's the fancy Bible way of saying if you're not Jewish, that counts for nothing. What matters is that you belong to God And then he says at the end, he says that you um, keep the commandments, but keeping the commandments. Um, We're gonna talk about that right after I say this. Uh, Many of us were born into a culture And what I mean by that is uh, we are all Americans. Uh, Many of you were born in the Midwest. You know, I was born in Connecticut, but we're born into a culture, a family of origin, how the world kind of works. And that culture, that understanding of the world has to take a second seat back row to our belongingness, to how Jesus, to how God uh, calls us to live. Um, uh, I'm gonna call out uh, my church growing up. Um, Because I think this is a thing that a lot of us deal with. That's just the story that it comes from. I I remember when I was in college, I went home um, in between Christmas break and uh, we were in Sunday school. So I grew up in a very conservative church. So what happens is you all go to uh, church and then what happens is you all go to second church and you uh, learn stuff. That's kind of what Sunday school is. So we're going to Sunday school and somebody uh, brings up that a homeless man broke into our church when there was a blizzard. I grew up where there were some pretty big snowstorms. It was probably about, if I remember correctly, about 12 you know, 14 inches, and it was real cold, real unsafe for somebody that's homeless to be outside, and they break into our church, and by break-in, it's they left the door unlocked, and then they came in. So it's not even like they, like, broken, they they came in, and everybody was really concerned about that. They're like, well, what about our safety? What about our values? What about, like, did he steal anything? Did he do this? And I remember being very concerned that, no, 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 no. We're worshiping our safety over loving this person. That's when our uh, value of safety was put above our value of belonging to Jesus and loving others. Paul is saying, uh, when you come to know Jesus, there's one thing that matters first, and that's belonging to God and being part of that family. And that family acts a certain way, and I don't mean that to throw stones at my church growing up. They were great and I'm so thankful for them, but many times we think that we're trying to love God when we're just trying to be comfortable your family of origin has some rules. Um, And I won't bash my family, I won't bash your family, um, but sometimes the way that the world works that we think is right, that we think is correct, may not be how God identifies things in his word. Um, That culture, that system needs to take second seat because there's one thing that matters. I think Paul is thinking, you know, how, how does this family work with each other? How do they belong together? And he says, but it's keeping the commandments. And now whenever that shows up in the Bible, you're like, but keeping the commandments, do I have to keep like all of them? There's like some that like I can't wear, in the Old Testament, there's this law that you can't wear a shirt that's two different blends. So if you're wearing polyester and cotton, you're all sinful. No, I'm joking. It's uh, the, the, the point in that um, is they're, they're, they're trying to do something there. But, but for us, we say that uh, Jesus has come not to abolish law authority, but to fulfill the law, that we don't have to follow some of those rules or, or a majority of those rules or all of those rules because Jesus has fulfilled that on the cross and Paul's taking this idea in a few other places in the Bible, and I think this will be helpful because he's very uh, simplistic in the idea. In Romans 13 and Galatians 5, he's saying, hey, we're not supposed to follow the law. What we're supposed to do is love your neighbor. Um, he says, all of the law is summed up in this, to love your neighbor. It's Romans 13 and Galatians 5. Um, this belongingness to God, this belonging as a family of people, uh, it comes with obedience to loving people. And obedience is a hard word. We, we try not to say it because I, I, I again grew up in I know sometimes we talk about trying not to be religious for religious sake and nobody wants to be religious for religious sake. I never said, does anybody want to be religious here? And someone raises their hand and we're like, yay, look at, like we don't we do not do that. Um, at least not, not the, what I, I know about. So we, we don't want to be religious, but sometimes if God is holy and he calls us to obey and live a certain way, um, we might have to try to obey a little. Um, I, I would say maybe more than a little, um But we have to love our neighbors, Um, we have to. Uh, Recently, I was talking with somebody, they just moved and um, they're looking for a new church in the city that they live in, and everywhere they go, they feel like they don't belong in that church, but they'll go for two weeks, they won't invest in anything, and then they'll leave. And if I can say a word to somebody here, if this is you, um, you might feel like you don't belong here because you haven't loved yet you might feel like no one's loving you well here because you've never shown up to love others. And don't get me wrong, if we're unloving and unkind, we need to hear that and we need to grow. But sometimes we come to church and we expect the you know, party parade to go down and we have a red carpet for you. And, and I really desire that. I wish we can do that for every person that doesn't feel like they belong. But if you're frustrated that you don't belong here, I'd encourage you to love your neighbor. Every week you come and you rub shoulders with somebody, um, just ask them their name um, Soul Bistro has the best BLT in the world. <laughs> Take them out to lunch. Um, but sometimes our, when we feel like we don't belong, it might be that we've never loved somebody. And I don't know if it's like a circular thing or it's like a chicken or the egg thing. Like I don't know if like, you belong and then you love or you love and then you belong, but I know many people feel like they don't belong somewhere, but they've never decided to love somebody. So if you want to belong here, um, l- love with us, lean into that. I, I think it'll be really great. Um, Paul, uh, keeps going. Um, So uh, what happens is uh, he starts saying some things. I'm going to read verse uh, 20 again. We're going to get on to 22. He says, but uh, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself to the opportunity. For he who is called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was uh, free when called is a bondservant of Christ. Now, I, I want to take one small step back and just clarify something. Uh, sometimes people who interpret the Bible are very kind to us. This word bondservant is better translated slave. Um, they're trying to uh, not get around that, but they're trying to soften the blow a little bit because for us in America, uh, the simple idea of slavery makes many of us upset, and I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't say anything against that, actually, but I think that's important for you to know in this passage. Um, But also there's another thing that's really important for you to know, how slavery uh, was working or culture was happening in the time of the Bible, the time Paul was writing this, it was very different than the slavery we have in mind um, with, you know, this uh, slavery of the uh, African Americans in, you know, early America. Um, Out of every ancient historian, whether they were um, a lawyer, a politician, um, a freed slave, an enslaved slave, whatever, they found themselves, no one ever abolished slavery um, and no one ever spoke poorly against it. Um, and I, I think a better way to think about this is, any, I mean, we've all been around a nanny before, right? Where you know, you're kinda hired by the family to help live with them and take care of them. That's probably a, a better cultural understanding for them um, because n- none of us can stand for the slavery that happened many, many years ago in America. Um, but when Paul says this, he has a different thing in mind. Okay, does, does that all make sense? I, I, just, I just wanna like level that playing field and then get back to this. He, he had a different thing in mind. He's, he's talking more about your job and your vocation. Which, ironically, remember I said how many times when he uses the word "call," that's to your salvation. One of these times, the the calling he talks about is to your work. Um, so he's talking about your job, um, which is really cool and really exciting. So he's saying, "Hey, you know, lead, lead a life of which you were uh, gifted, which God has blessed you when uh, when you were saved." And by the way, that has to go above your ethnicity and also above your job, above who your master is, because your master is actually God. Because you belong to him and now there's some people in the room and you, there's uh, probably two camps you're thinking you're the super spiritual group you're like sweet I get to be a pastor in my job now let's go like there are some people who are very excited to be overly spiritual in their jobs I'll talk to some people and they're like hey me and like I'm a secretary and I want to quit and move to Africa because I don't feel like God's using me here and I'm like whoa like pump the brakes a little and I'm, I don't say that to discredit how God could be calling them but I, I say that that you can be probably more spiritual than me a pastor at your job. Um, we need you in the workforce. Because um, if every Christian that wanted to be spiritual in their job quit and worked at a church, nobody wouldn't be able to invite anybody to church. You know what I mean? Um, but, but that's kind of an idea we have. How, how can I love God at church? How, how can I feel that he's with me at, at church? And um, I, I would say to this group, um, y- y- Paul's talking to the Corinthians again in another letter, and he says that you are an ambassador, a representative of Jesus in all places. It's 2 Corinthians 5.20. If you wanna be super spiritual in your job, um, and you're a plumber, um, you're actually an ambassador for Jesus disguised as a plumber. Um, If you're a teacher, um, you are an ambassador for Jesus disguised as a teacher. And like, don't don't get me wrong. You know, some people take that and they're like, I'm gonna be a terrible plumber now. I'm gonna be a terrible teacher. So I could tell, like, be a great plumber. Be a great teacher. Be a great banker. Do whatever you do. And if you want God to be there, be an ambassador for him. Um, and, and this is what it looks like. I have a friend who just took a job as a secretary and uh, they don't have a full vision for her yet. So uh, most of her job is answering the phone, which is what most secretaries do. But they don't have to like, Rest of the day, kind of stuff. So they're just like reading at work um, and they feel kind of bad about it, but the books they're reading are all how to love God more, uh, how to understand Him more. And uh, many of her coworkers don't love Jesus and they're all going, Hey, what are you reading? And they're like, Uh, book about Jesus? And they're like, Well, tell me more, you know? And she's had an opportunity to tell her coworkers about who Jesus is. And, and don't get me wrong, it's not like the heavens open and Jesus comes down and he's like healing people and like 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 it's, it's, it's probably far less glorious than I'm making it seem like but um, she's got to be faithful to telling people about Jesus. Some of them have actually gone to church um, which is pretty cool. I think one of them's come here. I don't, I don't know everybody who's the, who they've invited but um, that's how you can be spiritual in your work. Just be faithful to how God has called you and to the giftings that he's made you. And then there are some people that are super scared to put God into their work. And here's what I mean by the super scared people. The second you talk about God in your work, you're like, I have to wear a weird Christian T-shirt now. I have to say brother all the time to people who have no idea. Like, like you like think, like, I, don't wanna be, I don't wanna be weird. And you know what, I'm not advocating that you have to be weird. Um, I love stories, I share a lot of them, so I wanna share another story. I, I remember when I was in uh, high school, I was 16, I just got my license, and like every kid that gets their license, I needed a job. My mom and dad were like, we are not paying for your gas money, we are not paying for all the shenanigans you wanna do, you're getting yourself a job. So I'm like, cool, I'm gonna do it. And uh, we arranged it with a family friend, his name is Mr. Carver, he's one of the coolest people in the world that I would work for his business. Uh, it's He did like science stuff, he just kinda told me what to do, like I'd show up and he'd be like, move those boxes from there to there. And I'm like, you got it. And then he'd be like, move those boxes from there. You got, it, it was like one of those kinds of, those jobs and uh, what happens is Mr. Carver's also building his own house at this time. Uh, so what happens is right around the time that I start there, he invites me and his son that's around my age and all of his friends and a few of my friends to go to where he's building this house. And in Connecticut, um, th- where he built it, there's, it's pretty uh, hilly, there's a lot of stone. So we actually need to blast out some granite to put his house on a level foundation. And as I share this story, I don't know how this is safe at all for what we witness. So he invites all of us and we stand really far away and he says, we're gonna blast some of this rock. Do you wanna watch? And I'm like, do I wanna watch? Of course I wanna watch, are you joking? So uh, we sit there and there's you know the people doing the thing and we're like you know a couple hundred yards away and he's like, and we're like, and then there's a big explosion. I mean, I say it's a big explosion. It, do you know when something's a story and it goes from like a 30-foot explosion to a 100-foot explosion? to 1,000, like it's like one of those things, but but they blow all this rock, and I'm like, that's so cool, I got that, and then all the rock lands where he's gonna put his house and super cool, and uh, then I go back to work, and it's great, and then about three months later, he's poured the foundation, he's starting to uh, put up everything inside of the house, and he goes, hey Jack, can you come to my house? this week to help me with some stuff uh, to work I'll still pay for it and I'm like you got it and I get there and I go all right Mr. Carver what do you got for me I'm expecting to mow his lawn I've done that before I'm expecting to weed a little and he goes hey do you remember that explosion and I go yeah it was awesome and he goes well it got a lot of rocks in my yard and I need you to pick up the rocks out of my yard and now it took me a really long time. To- like, I don't remember how long it took me, but I was there for about a week and a half with a bucket going, all right, there's one. All right, there's two. There's three. And like, like it was one of those kinds of things. And um, I-, I learned, though, that God could meet me there. I mean, your job is not picking up rocks. If it was, I want to hear all about it because I want to know how you get through the day. Like, that's that's what I want to know. But <laughs> he met me in, in my job. Um, it was a very mundane, ordinary thing, but... Um, I got to pray when I was working, and I, I, I got to you know, think about you know, what God was doing in my life. Around this time, I, I felt God calling me to ministry, so I had a lot to think about. Um, you know, in this time, you know, I was starting to think about college and all these different things. God spoke to me as I picked up rocks. God can meet you in your job, and it does not have to be weird. Um, all you have to do is be willing for him to speak to you in your job. I, th- I think we can all do that. We don't need to be super spiritual. Um, We just need to be faithful um, to our belonging. Um, I I think we can do that. Um, Many times we think that um, our job is what defines us. Um, You go to a family party or you go to uh, some party and the first thing anybody asks that doesn't know you is what do you do? And our next response is our job. Um, And sometimes that starts to define us Sometimes we start to think that what we do is who we are. Um, and, and I think Paul would tell us, I think the Lord would tell you um, that you actually don't belong to your job. You belong to the Lord. Your job does not define you. Um, your job does not um, decide who you are. Um, God decides, decides who you are and you belong to him. Um, Paul says a few very uh, last things. He says, uh, you were bought with a price. Do not become bond servants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Um, what's that price? Because um, if God could buy us, what what are, we, what are we indebted of? What are we selling Him? And um, here's what I would say: um, In Romans it says, "For the wages of sin is death." Wages sin death. When we sin, when we uh, mess up, when we don't live the life that God has designed for us, uh, we have a debt of sin. It's like we owe him money, but the problem is we're not good enough to pay him for it. Um, Because if God's really holy, um, and what I mean by holy is he's set apart. It's like if, um, we'll we'll get there another time. I was going to go down a real long rabbit hole, and you'd be like, where are you going? If God's holy and we're not, um, that's sin. God's holy and we're not. And we have to pay that debt, and we can't. And, and God decided to send his son, Jesus, to the world to pay that debt for us, to pay it um, so that we can have life with him, so we can belong to God. The price he's paid is that Jesus has decided to die for you so you don't have to die. You were Ba, so you can belong to God. Whenever you make a mistake, whenever you are unholy and God is holy, remember, you were Ba. and you belong to him and it's not like jesus does it once and we have to go back Um, it's not like a credit card that you get accruing debt for if you don't pay it on time when jesus comes he wipes it totally clean he pays for it you don't have to go back you were bought you were bought and now you belong to god um twice, um, and this is to kind of begin to wrap up, uh, what happens is uh, Paul says something along the ideas of let, let him remain in the condition that you were called in, that's kind of what he's getting at, um, and here's what I would say, I can imagine you're thinking, alright Jack, we've been talking about marriage, singleness, and divorce, and you're talking a lot about belonging, how does this work in, because this is in between two passages on these kinds of relationships um, Paul would say, don't feel like you need to jump ship to love God You know, you might be here and your spouse is not. They might tease you for being a Christian. Um, You can still love God. You can still belong to God despite that relationship not working right now in that way. If your job is something that is just like bearing down on you and you hate it and it's not working and you get up every day and you're like, another day of this. Oh, I don't wanna do another day of this. That doesn't define you. God does. This isn't to say that you can't quit your job, but it's to say that if God, if we belong to God and he put us there, that we can be content there. Because our job doesn't define us, our marriage doesn't define us, our singleness doesn't define us, our divorce doesn't define us, our mistakes don't define us, God defines us. And that's you belong to him. You belong to him. I wanna celebrate that belonging today. So once a month, uh, we do this thing called communion. Um, and that's kind of weird. It's this uh, symbol that we have for people um, to celebrate what Jesus has done. He, he gets his disciples together one day and he says, you know, this is, he takes this little bread, he takes his bread and he breaks and he says, this is my body broken for you. And then he gives them a, a, a cup of wine. We do grape juice and um, he says, this is my blood of the new covenant shed for you. He's saying, whenever we take this little oyster cracker, whenever we drink this little cup of juice, we're celebrating you belong to God and you were bought by him but I want to give one little step further and I'll I'll close with this the early church they had these things called the love feasts which like I'm like love feasts like ooh that sounds cool and what would happen is when they would ever celebrate communion they would all get together and they'd have like a church potluck which is like also I'm like oh cool like I I want to have a potluck, that's great. So they would all get together and what they would do is they would take these big pieces of bread off and everybody would eat together and they would talk about all the beautiful, all the wonderful things that God was doing for them. And some of these things were this. Um, around this time, Christians were persecuted. They would say, thank God that I haven't died yet. Thank God that my spouse loves Jesus now. Thank God that he's making a way for me. Thank God that he's fulfilling his promises. They would thank God for all these amazing, all these wonderful things that he was doing at these feasts, we make communion a very somber thing, and that's not wrong. But today, when you get this little oyster cracker as a symbol of Jesus's body, when you get this little uh, cup of juice, um, celebrate that. Think of the ways that God has gifted you. Think of the ways um, that you hope he gifts you. Um, They would share these stories as, do you know what God uh, was good to his promise yesterday. He's good to it today. So why will he stop tomorrow? That's what communion means for us. Um, so I want to pray. Um, then some people are going to come and pass those out. Um, what's going to happen is you can take it whenever you get it, um, and then stand and worship with us. Um, we would love for that to happen. So let me pray for all of you, um, and then we'll we'll take that off. Father God, thank you so much for um, thank you so much for buying us. Um, Thank you so much for um, having us belong to you that we think you're so good. Um, You didn't have to buy us. We don't have to belong to you, but you chose to do that. You chose to make a way for that. So we're so glad. We're so thankful. We're so excited that you would do that. Help us to love others. Help us to work well, but above everything, you know, convict us, change our hearts, convince us that we are not what we do, but we are who we belong to, and that's you. Father, we love you. We love you so much. Um, Help us to love you and help us to honor you more. Yeah. your very uh, precious name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together, we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, please go to rendecatur.org backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves him.